it is really good to be back with all of you. Um, this is our family communion service. And what a great morning to come together as a family and commune with, with our Lord, with, with Jesus, especially even more so under the current circumstances. What a, what a joy it is to be together. And I guess I have to be honest. First of all, I have, I, I do need to go quickly because, uh, we have, we need to stick to a time schedule. And so I'm aware of that. So I want to help us keep that. But when, when our time is over, I just want to encourage you guys, first of all, to leave. When you do leave, you'll be, um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you'll be escorted out. So you'll have help with that. But when you get out, you can, you know, you can still socially distance fellowship with one another out on the grass. So we would encourage you to do that. Um, but we do need to keep to a time schedule while we're in, while we're inside. Um, but it is a little frustrating because I wish we were all here. Don't we all wish we were all here and that we didn't have masks, uh, and all those sorts of things? Obviously, we, we wish that was the case. Um, but it's not. And I was thinking about how this isn't the case. And uh, my my son Judah and I are reading a book together, The Lord of the Rings, and there's a quote in there that's so fitting, I just wanted to read it, if that's okay. Uh, so this is um, Gandalf and Frodo having a conversation. So Frodo says to Gandalf, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. Gandalf replies, so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides that of evil. Bilbo is meant to find the ring, in which case you were also meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. I read that with Judah. God is working. God is on the move. It's so very easy for us to say, Ah, the evil, or this is bad, that's bad, this horrible thing. Because I do that. And forget that, oh, oh my goodness, God's in control. He is moving, He is working. Praise God. Let me, let me pray. And then we'll jump into where we're going to be this morning in uh, Luke chapter 12. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, that, that you are alive and well. Thank you, Lord, that you are victorious. God, thank you that you've conquered death, conquered sin. Thank you, Lord, that our our hope can now be in you. Lord, our treasure, Lord, could be in you. It could be where you are. We thank you, Lord, for that. That our faith and our hope and our trust doesn't need to be in the here and now, but we get to look beyond. Lord, we get to know, God, that that you are our Father, and one day we will be home with you. We thank you for this morning, whether we're gathered here together this morning or in our homes. Lord, thank you that we are together as a family of, of you. Lord, would you bless our time, you lead us, encourage us as we jump into your word this morning. Please speak to our hearts and please encourage us, Lord, just to, to fix our eyes back on you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is the family service. So we, what we're going to do is we're going to follow along with the Sunday school curriculum, which is kind of fun. So if you're at home, 
and you're you're watching with us live, you, children, are blessed, as are we, because we're going to venture along with you in your curriculum. So you may have seen that on the Facebook um, Service Church Kids page. You may see that. You may print it off. Um, if you have it, that's okay. You'll, you'll be just fine. But I just want to encourage you little ones that we're all in this together. So we're gonna, we're gonna walk with this through you. And there is some really great things that Jesus shows us in Luke chapter 12 this morning. So, um, we are in verses 13 through 34. And I'm going to just read a couple verses at a time. And then we'll just kind of, uh, roll through it together. So first of all, we enter this scene as people are coming from all around to Jesus. Crowds of people are coming to Jesus. So in that, there would have been lots of different uh, seasons of life, lots of drama, uh, lots of different things that people were going through, uh, as there are many people represented here before Jesus. And so, Verse uh, verse 13 through 15, I'll read. So someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Here lies the everyday struggle that as parents we have with our children. This is a scene that we know far too well. You walk into the room, I had it first. It's mine. Or they have more chips than I do. She got more ice cream than I do. This is sometimes an everyday occurrence. This, this struggle that we see our kids have. It's interesting because you walk into the room and you have two children fighting over Legos. Legos can be this epic source of contention like nothing else. And there are thousands of little pieces of Legos all over the floor. But it's that one piece to rule them all. It's that one piece. They have, they have to have it. And so projectiles are being thrown. There, there's lots of screaming, and it could be an intense moment, a very intense moment. And as parents, we're like the first responders. We're the first ones on the scene. And so, at least my, my initial reaction is, it's kind of the whole, everybody down, right? Hands behind your back. Who had it first? And he or she will say, I did, or she did. And so you take the thing, you hand it. Sorted. Done. Right? That's kind of what we tend to do. But Jesus handles this entirely differently. He says to the man, man, try to say it like that, man, I am I am not your judge. Jesus is saying that he didn't come to the earth to figure out who deserves the inheritance. Who's the oldest? Are you twins? Who came out first? 
kind of like the same time almost. So it's like, oh, uh, kind of iffy. I don't know how that would work, but whatever. Jesus didn't come for that. Jesus was careful not to be involved in those in those sorts of matters that didn't pertain to his earthly work and his ministry. Jesus came to set hearts free. Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter, which is an encouragement for me as a parent. Hard work, and it's definitely not the easy way, but to get to the heart of the matter. What's going on at the heart? So before him, before Jesus, here's a heart that's caught up in an obsession over my rights. What I deserve. This is, this is mine. So what does Jesus do? He does something that helps both parents and children. So all seasons of life, but also touches a heartstrings and affects not just parents and children, but every season of life, every age. And we see this in in uh, verse 16 through 21. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich. For God. That's, that's heavy stuff. So Jesus tells this parable because he recognized something deep down in this, in this man's heart. This man, this man has an issue. This man has an issue and Jesus sees it. He's struggling with greed. He's struggling with covetousness. The word to covet we, we know what this word means, but I did look it up just in case I knew that I knew what it meant. It's the desire to have what belongs to others. I should have that. That that should be mine. This might be a funny topic for this morning. I first looked at this and I thought, oh, this is strange, our first morning back. You know, this is an interesting thing. But this is, I think, a very important topic for us, especially as we're going through this season that we've been going through. I know this is something that I I hear in my own heart. These trials pull out. I see it in my own heart. This is something that I think many of us can struggle with. So Jesus tells this story of a man who's overcome with abundance. Not just abundance. He's overcome with the dangers that abundance brings. So the problem is, it's not that he had too much grain. That's not the issue. The problem is the complacency, the self-sufficiency, the covetousness that surrounds this man. 
And look at the man's perspective. I thought this was really interesting, looking at all the eyes. I will do this. I will tear down. I will build larger. I will store up. I will say to my soul, I have tons of stuff. It's all about me. Who laughs? Who drinks? Be merry. So here lies the heart condition that is revealed with the little ones, you little ones, as you're fighting with your brothers and sisters. But it also lies the heart condition within us as we're going through a pandemic. I'm just being honest with myself this morning. <laughs> this is something, and with you, I guess, as well, because talking to you. This is something that I've struggled with. And I didn't really realize it until all of a sudden, lockdown. It's really, in a sense, good in my walk with the Lord that I'm experiencing this trial. It's revealed to me things in my heart that I necessarily didn't think were there. This idea, I have so much. Look what I built. Or, I don't have enough. Look what they have. I, I should I should have that. So what Jesus does and what he's going to continue do, to do is to point out this need for us to run from that, to run from that desire. So he shows that this person was overcome with, with the material, with the here and now, and then he dies. He, he got it. He's like, ah, oh, eat, drink, be merry, dead that night. So Jesus is just showing Really, how silly that is. And where the man's perspective was at. It's a, a reality that affects, affects, again, every age, every season. Rich, poor. This is something that affects us. Whether you're fighting with your brother or sister, or scrolling through Facebook. Really interesting how these thoughts pop into our mind. Ah, oh, I wish I had, I wish I was there. I wish I was dealing with that situation that way. I wish I looked like them. Ugh. This is why I find so much comfort in Jesus' words when he says, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Because why is Jesus saying that? He's telling the people that they need to come out from the burden of the law. Just come out, come to me. I'm the fulfillment of the law. And I've broken this law of covetousness. <clears throat> I don't know about you guys, but I have broken it. And there's this sense of, what do I do? Because I still struggle with it. What do I do? Jesus says, come to me. Get out, just get out from under. I know you're struggling with it. I know it's difficult, especially during times like this. Just come to me. Just come to me. Jesus understands temptation. We might think, well, he's God. I thought that. He's God, so it's pretty easy. No. In in Matthew 4, there's a really interesting time. And it's it's really interesting as you look into how he was tempted by the devil. If you look, if you look at that, it's interesting because Jesus had not eaten for 40 days, and first the devil tempts him with comfort. Like comfort food, I guess in a sense. He tempts him with contentment. Comfort, contentment. Just turn, turn those stones into bread. 
you can do it. And then he, he tempts him by saying, just get to the, the highest point, pinnacle up there, throw yourself down, angels will, will protect you. What's he doing? He's tempting Jesus with popularity. Everyone will see you. Oh, that is Jesus. He is great. It's amazing. Look at that cool thing he did. And then the devil tempts him with the kingdoms of the world. Well, dominion. Ruling. I find that really interesting. Because then Jesus would say, in a sense he puts his words in action. He says, the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's the, that's the heart that's in danger. The devil, what's the devil do in this temptation? He offers a shortcut. He offers a shortcut to Jesus' future reign in God's kingdom. A shortcut around the Father's will. Father's will was pretty rough for Jesus. Jesus knew what it was. Suffering. The betrayal of friends. Ultimately leading to persecution, crucifixion, intense times for Jesus. Shortcut. You could have all that. You just gotta go this way. But Jesus knew that wasn't, that wasn't Father's will. And this is who we look to. Hebrews 12 to looking to Jesus, founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to get to that point as believers. Looking beyond what's laid out before us now. Looking beyond what's going on right now. Understanding that beyond is where the Father is. That's where our, that's where our mind should be fixed. Our eyes should be fixed is beyond that, looking beyond. That's why it's so important for us each day to remind ourselves of the gospel. In a sense, to teach ourselves the gospel. To bring the gospel into the bedroom where the kids are fighting. This is hard work. This is not the easy way. It's who had it first? There you go. Done. That's the easy way. The hard work is heart work. It is the gospel. It's the gospel. Just like Gandalf encourages Frodo with the truth that other other forces are behind this. Not just evil, but other things are at work. God is working. He He is moving. We need to get our minds on that. Get get our hearts fixed on it. That God is It's so easy to look around and just doom and gloom. It's so easy to do that. But we forget that God is moving. So then verses 22, Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, 
They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? So in a sense, I, I love thinking about this picture because Jesus is talking to the crowds, talking to the crowds about we just, what we, what we just um, went over. And now he, he cuddles up his back. Okay. Let's talk, let's talk about this. Jesus says, therefore. So in light of everything that he just covered, in light of what he talked about to the crowd, This is real, this is exciting stuff, because it's, it's intimate. It's like Jesus speaking to your heart, speaking to, to his followers. Listen, don't be anxious. And here are the reasons for not being anxious. Life is more than Life is more than It's more than the here and now, the material. Life is more than that. Life is Jesus. Our life is in Jesus. Don't be anxious. Another reason to overcome uh, anxiety is is that we are more valuable than even his creation. That he takes care of and he provides for. How much more value are you? Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. And then God's in control. God is in control. We can't even really add an extra hour of span to our life by worrying, by not worrying, by eating, well, maybe by eating, I was going to say less, less McDonald's or something. Maybe we could, but, but that's not the point. We are not in control of that. God is, even God is in control of, of what we're going through this morning. Things like this, seasons like this, times like this. God is in Control. And God is working. The Bible tells us to set our minds on things above. Set our minds on things above. And this is why, again, as parents, we can walk into that room of chaos and we can bring the gospel in. Because it's not about the Lego. It's not about that. There's something else going on. There's two hearts battling it out, saying, I deserve it. It's mine, and there's a thousand excuses or reasons why. Some actually might be pretty good. Um, most of them are not good at all. But there's a heart issue. And it's interesting, because me as a dad, I see myself in that. I just I don't fight over Lego people. But I do the same thing in other ways. It's the same exact heart issue. And Jesus is wanting his guys, his followers to know that there's no need to be anxious. Don't be anxious about that. And especially if you look at the lives of his followers and what they went through, how their lives ended. It's very important for them to catch this and to know, okay, things aren't necessarily going to turn out good. But this has, this has nothing to do my riches in heaven and my life and my life with God. Verse 26. If then you are not able to do 
as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat, or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So Jesus is not saying, okay, stop working, stop providing for yourself, just chill out. Just go on a, a lifelong holiday or something like that. What he is saying is, drop the anxiousness and trust in me. Be faithful with what's before you. Work is good, providing for others, all those sorts of things. Those are good. But drop the anxiousness, especially because we can't control. This is kind of a, a, a very clear representation of that this morning. We, we had no idea we would be in this situation. Last year. We can't control. We don't know the situation next year. We can't control. There's no need to be anxious. It's interesting because instead of all this anxiousness, we're told to seek his kingdom. We're told to really what, what make what concerns God the main priority. And in that, we, we think of this virus. God cares about the virus, but He cares about your heart more. He cares about the trial, whatever trial you've been through or you're going to go through or you're going through now. He cares about that, but He cares about your heart more. He's teaching, He's guiding, He's leading, He's revealing these things, and He's using, at times, trials to do that. For me, he uses my own children to do that, to show the, the wickedness in my own heart. We have, a, we have a, a God who does that for us. A Father who loves us enough to allow difficult times, difficult seasons, to reveal the heart issue, to get to the, the heart of the matter. Last two verses. Jesus says in verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We do not have to be overcome with fear. Because all that we have is in Christ. And because of, of who Jesus is and what we have through his death and resurrection. It's not a command. Jesus isn't giving this command. Okay, go right now, go sell. He's, he's getting to the heart of the matter. Think, put, put it in perspective. Think about earlier on. This man who got it all and built barns for extra stuff and all these things, and then he died. Think about that. Get get it in perspective. Get to the heart. 
of what's going on. This is exactly what our Father does and is doing. He's bringing it to the heart. And it's interesting because the heart is the very core of who we are. That's what the heart is. Throughout Scripture, the heart refers to the center of our being, our emotions, our will, our, our reason. Getting to the heart. That's what Jesus is doing. He's getting to the will, the emotions. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the nature of our heart, very, very core of who we are, is reflected in what we value most. That's why trials can be very good, because they reveal that. Ooh, my heart was in a different place. And I'm freaking out because my favorite coffee shop is closed, or whatever it is. My heart was clearly not in the right place. These times should be very good for us. Moments when you children are arguing, those are some of the greatest moments for us parents. Those are teaching moments. You might think it's the end of the world, but you'll be okay. And us parents are, hopefully we'll be thinking, doesn't happen all the time, hopefully we'll be thinking, yes, this is a moment where we get to get the gospel into that heart. You see Jesus doing this with his parables. He knew exactly the heart of that man. He brings him into this story. brings him into this, this parable. He gets the gospel to him. So this morning, I want to... Um, hey, new record. Pretty good. I want to um, kind of move towards communion. Um, and what, what we're going to do... Do we have the communion ready? Okay, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to, um, in, in a minute, we're going to have the worship team come up. Um, and during that time, the communion will be, the elements will be, will be brought to you. So for you at home, this is a great time. If you haven't got the bread and the juice, you have time to do that. So go, go do that. Gather what you need. Um, and, while we're while we're getting ready for that, in the latter part of of Luke, I just wanted to read some of Jesus' words. So Jesus, the night before the crucifixion, he's praying to his father, and he says, "Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me." Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It's a very powerful statement. Father's will for his son was to die so that you and I could have life this morning and have the opportunity for our treasure to be in heaven. You've given us that opportunity. If you're joining us this morning and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, never done that. Never asked the Lord to be Lord of your life. Come in and make your heart His home. Maybe it's clear to you through this time, through this pandemic, 
that your your treasure has been in the here and now. And your heart is a mess. Maybe that's been revealed to you. That's the Lord doing his work. That is God revealing that to you. Jesus wants to come in and heal and restore. So here's an opportunity for that right now. I would just encourage you, if you're at home and you're watching this, you've never done that, cry out to the Lord. Ask Him to be your Savior and take communion with us. He would welcome you into the family of God. And for you here this morning, as we're, as we're um, listening to this song, talk to the Lord in your hearts. Ask the Lord to reveal things. Ask him to, to show the things that, that you need to confess, that we need to give over and hand over to him. Because he is our father, and in a sense, we're like those fighting over the Legos in the room. And he just comes in and he brings the gospel. And he walks us through it, reminding us that our trust is in him. And that our treasure is in heaven. Amen?